Hi, I'm Nora, and I'm at church. I feel this call to be a protector. When there's injustice happening, I want to step in and protect. Um, and, uh, and honestly, I think both sides, pro-life and pro-choice, feel this feeling of protecting. I want to protect. Pro-choice wants to protect the moms uh, who are here, who, 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 who have the ability to make this decision. They want to protect their, their right to their body. Um, and then on the other side, uh, pro-life wants to protect the child. Does that make sense? So I think we're all coming from the standpoint of protection. Let's step back though in that protection, both sides, take a step back. What are some things we can protect together? Yeah, defund the church, rebuild the kingdom, ain't no doubt. Time to wake up because the church walls shouldn't be there to keep people out. Yeah, let's come together, ready for change. Now is the time, we are one unit that is under God. Let's put an end to the racial divide. Uh, I gotta scream it out louder. Let's rebuild the kingdom from the ground up. Bringing unity in the community and keep the Holy Spirit all around us. Yeah, yeah, defund the church, let's go. Welcome to another episode of Defund the Church. I'm Frank Turner here with Pastor Justin Douglas of the Belong Collective, and we're excited to have you. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. Please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and other major podcast platforms. If you're back listening for uh, not the first time, thank you for coming back. Welcome. Uh, please leave a review or a comment on any of those podcast platforms. Today, we have a very interesting topic to get into, Pastor. A lot of times you'll hear the, the words, the terms pro-life, pro-choice, it's an election season. But, you know, previously we've had this discussion kind of offline of pro-life and pro-choice might not be the exact comparison or the exact um, framing that this argument needs. So I would like you to just dive in to the, the pro-life, pro-choice um, argument and how we should view it as Christians. Hey, Frank, so happy to be on the podcast again. Um, so this is obviously just really quick and explosive topic. So whoever's listening right now, you're probably um, feeling a type of way, even just hearing that this conversation is about to happen or that we're about to say something. And I just want to say really quick, this is part of the heart of defund the church is that difficult conversations can't be pushed to the side in church. Um, obviously defund the church is largely sparked out of, um, the need for conversations around race um, and the need for the church to be championing racial justice. But ultimately, the church needs to be at the forefront of difficult conversations. And so often when we do come to the forefront of difficult conversations, we just throw, plant our flag in one side with a failure to try to understand or reconcile to the other side. And uh, in my experience in the church, that has been the pro-life stance. We plant our flag over here. We're not listening to anyone over there. And if that's your experience, that's fine. I think there's a better way though. I think there's a better way for, for two things, for the pro-life movement to become a little more consistent because if you're really interested in pro-life, you would be the first to your Twitters and Facebooks expressing horror when an officer puts his knee in the back of someone's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. You'd be the first to say seven shots in the back at close range while your three children are in the car. There's no excuse for that. Um, you would be the first to rush to these defenses. Also, what's interesting is the pro-life, um, <laughs> I guess, group within evangelicals are the first to support war 
when a president says it's we're, we're thinking about going to war. They're the first in polling to say they'll go to war, which is just a unique statistic for someone that claims pro-life. And so I've found that the pro-life movement is far more anti-abortion than they are actually pro-life, uh, which is fine. If that's your platform and you want to be anti-abortion, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying it seems like there's not a consistency in that language of pro-life. And then you have pro-choice over here, which I don't think understands the pro-life movement either. As I talk to people who are pro-choice, I don't, I sometimes don't think they understand that there's um, a great disconnect between these two and, and they don't necessarily have the empathy or ability to listen. And so I think the church is better when we're humble and willing to listen to one another. So I hope just to, before I say anything that you'll take a moment to listen today and I want to acknowledge that Frank and I are both men. And if you're a woman speaking to this, you have an experience that we do not have. And therefore, um, uh, just we're acknowledging that uh, you uh, probably have much more experience in this than us. And we want to, uh, to just acknowledge that reality of our uh, maleness and your femaleness and that this impacts women far more than men. And so let me start here. As a pastor, I just want to start as a pastor, not a theologian, not someone who studies the Bible, just as a pastor who's, who becomes um, aware of people's stories and experiences. I have people in my community who have had abortions, um, and some of whom are incredibly broken up by that reality. Um, and this conversation for them is a reminder of maybe a moment in their life where they felt hopeless, where they felt like there was no other answer and they chose to have an abortion. Um, and there's a sense of guilt, a sense of shame. And so I think we need to acknowledge that there's people in our communities, in our families maybe even, who have had abortions, some who, who knew that was the right thing to do, who don't have a sense of guilt and shame to that. Um, others who have a deep sense of guilt and shame attached to that. And so However we discuss this, we should be mindful that there are some people that are still hurting as they process that. And so for us, uh, as followers of Christ, desiring not to heap on a burden and guilt and shame onto others, need to be mindful that our words have power and consequence in this conversation. Um, ultimately, I, I have three kids, okay? And um, the biggest blessings in my life. 100%. Um, I personally uh, grew up in a very uh, pro-life um, uh, home. And I would actually say um, my ethic at this point is, has, has moved to more understanding of the pro-choice. Um, uh, as I've got to know more doctors and heard some stories and experiences and their um, I guess some of their ethic around this, it's, it's challenged some of my um, pro-life, and again, when I say pro-life, anti-abortion ethic. Um, and I actually, oddly enough, I have um, a meeting uh, happening soon with a doctor friend of mine where we're going to talk about this because uh, she is a doctor who's, um, who's, who's got a lot of experience in this area. And I just said, hey, I wanna meet with you and talk about this. And so I just wanna say real quick, I went to her, she's a friend of mine, like actually a friend of my wife. And so they, they see each other almost daily. And, and, uh, 
and I follow her and uh, on Instagram and, and see some of the posts she makes. And I just said, I want to talk to you about this because I want to understand your perspective. I just want to be clear that requires a certain level of humility and openness to hear someone out. We as the church need that. As far as like my perspective on pro-life, pro-choice, we can go deeper into that. But ultimately, I believe God, um, I, I just believe life is this beautiful thing. Whether or not it happens at conception, that's something that's, that's become a little more challenged in um, my experience in talking with doctors. Frank, where are you at on this? I, I would love to know like what, what your thoughts are about this before I just like keep going. Like I still feel like I'm learning and growing in this area. Man, that's, you made some really great points. I think the, the one thing I want to say before I say anything is, you know, um, we, we, we're supposed to, as Christians, we're supposed to be light, light of the world. And so our words are supposed to be seasoned with salt. And most times in these conversations, as you mentioned very, very early on, is we don't have much seasoning. We just come out and like, hey, baby killers, you know, you know, people who are, like you said, have had abortions and, and maybe feeling a certain way. We don't even consider that when we're making our arguments about, well, this is sin. You shouldn't have done that or, you know, whatever it is. So I think that for me, um, just having more compassion, understanding, not being a woman, knowing that, you know, I would never be pregnant, right? I would never have to have the, the, to carry a child um, that I, that, you know, I wasn't sure if I wanted to have. So I, so like I said, I, I want to bring in that same humility before I get into my answer. But I mean, what, what it comes down to is, you know, I grew up and, and I, I was probably more of a pro-choice person because, um, you know, I always felt like, if God is sovereign, that even though man, even though I, even though I do acknowledge that abortion, it feels like it feels like it's not right at some level, right? It feels there's something that's wrong that feels wrong to me, just me, right? This, but what I'm saying, I still feel like the sovereignty of God still is not going to take a life out that's supposed to be born. Now, it doesn't mean that it doesn't affect you. It doesn't mean you. But I don't know that anybody. I, I guess if we if we if we say God's sovereignty and nobody goes before their time, even in a tragic situation, right? Somebody dies young or, or whatever, then I also think you have to use the same understanding and say that nobody who's supposed to come into the earth did not come to the earth because of an abortion. Doesn't mean it's the right thing to do, but it also is 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 like, let's not turn this into the sovereignty of God, man's choices, what, what people decide to do. And so that was your perspective growing up and where you where would you say well, you right now? So I'm kind of sub I, I, I guess that's so I've moved a little bit more. I guess I've gotten a little more conservative because I, I had I, when I had a child. I was like, man, I, it was it was it was really it really kind of changed my mind. But I still I, st I still am some somewhere where I am. But I think I'm probably just a little more conservative. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and but but I still understand the need to have um, that that doctors and be able to monitor pregnancy and be able to do things that are necessary from a medical perspective. And I think that there are, I, I read an article um, not too long ago, there, there are pregnancy centers that actually provide counseling even outside of say a Planned Parenthood where they, you know, but, but I, I think the main thing that, that defund the church sometimes talk about is having, be able to be able to have Christian conversations when people are having these thoughts to, and can they go to a church? Can they go to a place where people mm -hmm. of faith can hear them 
and listen to what they're saying and not judge them and not go to the scriptures because the thing is, and, I, and what I mean by not go to scriptures, not, sometimes we, when I say go to scriptures, we go to scriptures to tell people what they should do based yeah. on what it says there. And I think it's important that the law is written in our heart. And sometimes we have to look at each person and say, what is God saying about this situation? What is God saying to this person's situation? What is, what is going on here? And, and, even, and even if they're making a decision that we don't agree with, being able to support that decision and not excommunicate them. I think that's a very difficult mm -hmm. thing. And that's why people don't go to church, don't go to people of faith because they feel like, well, I know what they're going to say. I know they're not going to support what I'm thinking or what I'm feeling. And they go to these other places that provide them alternatives that may not be the right thing, but at least they're li listening. And I feel like, man, just can we listen? Um, yeah. and, 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 can, and can we just not judge people's choices? Because I guess if all sin is, 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 you know, a sin, then how, if it, it feels like sometimes we weigh this one higher than other things, right? There, there's Certainly. men that look at pornography online, right? And we'll say, well, I mean, hey, nobody was hurt, right? Nobody saw me and, you know, I watched it and nothing happened, but something did happen, right? You, you, you committed a sin against the temple of God. God lives in you and you shouldn't have watched that. And so I, I just think that having the understanding, looking at looking at things like God looks at it is, is something that we struggle with, something that I struggle with, because when you approach this argument, you got to say, what would Jesus say if they brought him a woman who had an abortion? Mm. What, what would he have said? What would he have said to her? Would yeah. he have stoned her? Would he yeah. have stoned her and been like, oh, you had an abortion here, let's stone you? I feel like his response would have been very similar to the woman um, who, 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 who was brought to him in adultery. Yeah. I think it would he would have had a very similar response. And I feel like we need to get back to what Jesus his actions. I feel like the most important thing about the New Testament is it's recorded what Jesus did. I think I think I think sometimes we get more excited about what Paul wrote and said, but we don't look at what Jesus did. If that if that makes sense, like look at the sure. humility and look at what Jesus. Put, but but and Paul is a scholarly person, and so in the Western you know culture, it's like easy to look at say, well, you know this this this, and that's fine, right, for understanding faith and breaking it down. But for the compassion, sometimes. Jesus shows that. And I feel like this conversation, as you mentioned, can we have compassion? Um, can we listen? And, and as men, can we stop trying to dictate everything about women, you know, in a way that, that that's non-conciliatory? Can we listen to our, as Peter said, can we listen to yeah. the, the weaker vessel? Can we hear them out versus just saying, no, here's what this, you know, can we, can we stop that? Yeah, so I, I would I would even um, you said a lot of great stuff there, Frank. Thank you for that. I think one of the things I, I, I just want to think of how some might respond to that, especially the the comparison of sin. Cause I agree that I think the way I say it is sin is a copable like like disturbance of shalom, in that like you are disturbing shalom in our world or potential for shalom in our world and we do that through all sorts of means some sin has a reverberating consequence on ourself and others more so than others than, than than other sins does that make sense um and here's here's where i would say i connect with the anti-abortion pro-life movement i feel this call to be a protector when there's injustice happening, I want to step in and protect. Um, and, uh, and honestly, I think both sides, pro-life and pro-choice, feel this feeling 
of protecting. I want to protect. Pro-choice wants to protect the moms uh, who are here, who, 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 who have the ability to make this decision. They want to protect their, their right to their body. Um, and then on the other side, uh, pro-life wants to protect the child. Does that make sense? So I think we're all coming from the standpoint of protection. Let's step back, though, in that protection. Both sides, take a step back. What are some things we can protect together? Let's think about that. That might actually drive down the need for abortion in, in general. We know that poverty is one of the biggest um, touch points, data points for abortion. That, um, that people who are in very low income circumstances or lack of access circumstances to jobs, um, to housing, that these factors increase the potential for someone to choose an abortion. If that's the case, a way that both sides can protect is to advocate for, um, for the reality of our economic circumstance being better, for, for, for poor people being cared for. The other thing is access to healthcare. A lack of access and education in healthcare makes a huge difference. This is, some, this is a way we can protect people, not just protect people on this issue, but on all issues of, of health. Um, but certainly it would affect this issue as well. It would give them more access to understand their bodies, understand how to be healthy, um, understand the options before them, and ultimately empower them to make the health decisions uh, that are best for their particular circumstance. What frustrates me about and I'll speak to it because it's the movement I guess I've seen the most of. I, I'm, I'm cautious to be critical of the pro-choice movement simply because I, I don't feel like I consider myself part of that. I'm more critical of the group that I would consider my own, uh, obviously defund the church. <laughs> but, uh, but when I think of the pro-life movement, the frustration I have is that we literally have data that shows as people get healthier, as people get more economically, you know, uh, get economic footing, are coming out of poverty that that the, these these abortion statistics drop in those circumstances and so why aren't we advocating first and foremost for a better situation where less people need to make a decision or would be inclined to make a decision toward an abortion while also recognizing there are many abortions that that ultimately aren't just because of economic circumstances there are other factors but i guess i'm saying those particular factors we can we can actually potentially make a difference in together both sides together advocating for poor people like i think of the poor people's campaign that's something martin luther king jr started that has now kind of seen a rebirth over the last few years um and uh, i have some friends who are very active in that movement the poor people's campaign and it's like this is legislation for the advancement of poor people for the reality that we have an economic disparity that exists in our world where Billionaires are making more money, uh, so much more money, and continuing to make more money, even in the midst of a global pandemic, while people are losing jobs. And it's like, all of this poverty has a huge consequence on this particular subject. And we should be aware of that and mindful of that and recognize it's not just as easy as saying, don't get an abortion. It's like, what kind of support are we giving these people? And there are groups out there that are doing support around, you know, supporting mothers um, 
but I guess I'm saying like, what kind of systemic support are we giving? You know, one of the best um, uh, definitions of social justice I, I love is, um, I want to say it was um, uh, Dr. King's daughter, Bernice King, who said, um, social justice is love applied to systems. And like, we need to apply this love and protection, you know, because love always protects, right? This, this, this love that we have for protecting people um, away from just sound bites and actually into uh, the systems that ultimately keep poor people poor. Um, and that could make a huge difference in this conversation. And I don't think we've really tried that particular tactic, you know? So I don't know. That's just something that I think the church, if we were to have the broader conversation, we may find that uh, we both have a desire to protect and there's some options for us to actually be on the same side, but you know, that's a radical idea. <laughs> no, I, th I think that's really good. Um, the, the one thing I, I would actually like to add when you were talking was I remember a conversation I had with my sister just about that, about people not feeling they could support a child and, and even the pain of potentially having an abortion being less than having a child and then not mm. being able to take care of it and giving it up something oh, that wow. you know you don't consider as a man but as a woman so that was a very powerful conversation she she shared with me my, my sister actually is an OBGYN so mm. she she sees this this kind of thing I, I mean like I said I, I just feel like like you said advocating for um, people to be on on have to have the have to be able to make the choices and not be forced economically to make some of these choices I think that's like you said not being considered we just look at the moral choice and say well if we're voting for this or if we're for or against this and that's what God wants and there's it's so much bigger than that and I feel like hopefully um, obviously like I said we're, we're going to kind of wrap this up but but I mean hopefully this will this will give you an idea and a perspective and obviously us just being two men we don't have everything um, for this conversation but we want to have it from a standpoint if, if a woman listened to it she wouldn't close off she wouldn't close it in the middle in the first minute because we're just you know, jumping and making all these generalizations, you know, um, I, I, think yeah. it's yeah. I think it's important to be able to, to talk together um, in, in a way that can we come up with the best solution? I feel like you really hit that. So um, yeah, Frank, Frank, real quick, real quick, just one thing. Yeah. This, this is such a, I just want to make it clear to anyone listening, this, the time frame we have to talk about a very complex conversation here is more our desire to model for the listener that we don't avoid difficult topics, right? And we need to consider what lenses we need to take off and how we need to pick up the lenses of Jesus as we look at topics and even be critical of ourself and our perspective and the tribe that has handed us a way of seeing the world. We all need to be critical of the lenses we've been handed and try our best to put on the lenses of Jesus. So, it might be that the moral imperative of like, this is wrong, this is right. I'm going to say it like it is. Okay, fine. Um, but, and then I'm going to go vote for the candidate who says it like it is. But what if that candidate's policies actually hurt poverty or poor people? Like, and, and you see, like I'm saying like, let's be able to have the broader conversation, pull this, tease this out a little bit and really try to listen. Jesus listened. We're called to love. And I think the best way we can love one another is to actually give that person the time by listening, hearing their experience. So 
I want to encourage people to keep educating themselves on this subject and others and keep listening to people who have perspectives that are different than yours, because obviously this is one that's incredibly heated and we fail to listen. And that's why we're talking about it. Not because we have the answers. Us two guys don't have the answers. If you came here for the answers, you click play on the wrong podcast, but hopefully, hopefully we've modeled what it looks like to, to just briefly discuss a subject where we should import humility first and foremost. And we could change the world if we just had a little more humility in our conversations. And so if you get nothing from this, hopefully that's something that we can each, including myself, grow in. Amen. Amen to that. Again, I want to encourage all listeners, check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, other major podcast platforms, including also make sure you visit defundthechurch.com. You can check out more information about the movement, how we're rebuilding the kingdom. We want to thank everyone for listening. We thank you. We love you guys. And we'll see you soon on an episode of Defund the Church. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Please subscribe and iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and other major podcast platforms. And also, don't forget to visit defundthechurch.com where you can find news and information on how to support this movement and rebuild the kingdom. Thank you.